0: So this morning, uh, we're going to continue in our series, uh, The Life and Prayers of David. And so uh, the title of the message this morning is Plain with Fire. And I decided to give a little subtitle. A little subtitle is uh, Four Easy Ways to Wreck Your Life. Okay, Four Easy Ways to Wreck Your Life. All right. So we've been looking at the life of King David, uh, one of the great characters in all of Scripture there. And uh, uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, to guard your your heart, guard your heart above all else, because out of it, okay, it determines the very course of your life. So David now, we talked about you know David and Goliath and thanks for Pastor Steve speaking last week, did a great job. But David's been on a roll. David's been on a roll, he's at the pinnacle of success. He's winning battle after battle after battle. Everything he does touches the gold. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 9, the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. Just wherever he went, he's victorious here. And so he's one of the greatest military leaders ever, at least since Joshua there. And uh, his heart for God is like legendary. Like he's putting on a clinic how to walk with God. I mean, he's modeling that here. And so he's walked with God for years now and uh, has his legendary heart for God. And what is important to God is important to David. I mean, he's that guy there. But he has one area of his life where there's a crack, you know, in his armor there. And he has these series of compromises. So even Though he has like this amazing heart for God, this amazing concept and understanding of God, there is this crack. And one of the things I love about the Bible is the Bible is. And the Bible doesn't, you know, um, uh, glorify its heroes here. And so, uh, what happens here is that it, is it this one area of his life here, he has like a wildfire there, and it burns and destroys a lot of the good that he'd done in his life here. And so, David has this desire to be with God. He's passionate about God. It says in Psalm 27, he, he writes his psalm and he says, One thing have I desired. Of you, God, that I might dwell in your house, like all the days of my life. I just want to, I want to be with you, and I want to talk to you. I want to inquire in your temple, you know. And so that was his heart, and that that's where he was coming from. And so David has so much going for him, and he is. Uh, uh, but this part of his life is unprotected, and so now we're going to see. The darkest moment of David's life here. And David crashes and David wrecks his life here. And so, uh, but what I want us to see is this. What I want you to lock onto is this. Is that no matter what happens in your life, I mean, it gets as bad as it can get, we're going to see here. But no matter what happens, there's hope. There's hope for you, hope for our lives that can be turned around. And so we're going to see that in David's life here. And so in the, the darkest moment, there was a way forward. There was a way out here. There was a way back to God, that God was a God of the second chance for David here. And so God tells a story here, 2 Samuel, and, uh, and it's going to point us to all of the things that David did. The types of things that we do too. And so we're going to see the erosion in his life. Just like we can be going along and then erosion can happen in our lives. And then we're going to see the cracks in David's life that then leads to a collapse of his life there and how he shipwrecked his life. So this is David's uh, story that we're going to unpack. So the first thing I'd like us to see uh, see about his life is this. is that David had compromise in his life. By that, I mean that uh, kings specifically were not supposed to multiply wives. they were not supposed to, and Genesis says that a man shall leave his uh, his parents and cleave to his wife, not plural, polygamy wives. And so in Deuteronomy, it says this, Deuteronomy 17, and if you want to look at the screens there, it says, be sure to select as king the man that your Lord, the Lord your God chooses. The king must not take many wives for himself because here's what's going to happen. What's going to happen if they take many wives? What does it say? Turn his heart away from the Lord. So David compromises this area of his life time after time after time again. And ultimately what happens is it turns his heart. There are things that we do. We need to recognize this, that there are things that we can do in life that will turn our hearts away from God. And that's what David did. He compromises again and again. So he does not follow God's uh, God's way, God's plan for his life. Now let me ask you a question: Why does he take multiple wives? Why did he do that? Why do you think? Why do you think that he did? Why, why did the king David take multiple wives? There's a number of reasons, but why? What do you think? Well, for one thing, he could because he was the king, because he was privileged, because it was a perk that kings could do, and that was the culture. That was the, the the way that they did it, you know, in that day there. And so, if you would have asked David, David, hey, why are you taking so many wives? David would have said, Hey, all the other kings are doing it, and so I can. And so, uh, so David, you know, um, he's uh, uh, he's on a on a on a roll now, taking wife after wife after wife. And so, David did it because he could, because it was an option for him. And so. Also, another reason though that he takes wives is it screams something it screams something to everybody, and what it screamed was this it said, "Hey look at me i 've got power. look at all my wives you know i 've got wealth, you know because how many people know to have wives? it costs money i 'm just saying it costs money, so if you don 't." If you want to talk to me afterwards, I'd be happy to talk about that. My name is Pastor Sean Lynn, and I'll be out there, love to talk to you. I'll make a quick exit. So, you know, but they cost money, so it's like, hey, look at all the wealth that I've got. So that David, you know, uh, was showing that he was a wealthy, powerful man. But, uh, you know, there's another reason, guys. There's another reason why he took multiple wives. Does anybody want to t- say what it is? Why he took multiple wives? What? Lots of kids, but how do you make kids? Yeah, we don't want to talk about it in church, do we? Yeah, David was lustful. David was really lustful, so he's got this lustful lifestyle there, and so uh, so he's got power, he's got lust, he's got fantasy going on in his life there, you know. And it's just ugly. It's an ugly story there, and so uh, so you see that. All that to say this: if you want to wreck your life. All you have to do is compromise, after compromise, after... Where God has clearly said, don't go there. Just keep compromising. And you put yourself on the pathway to wreck your life like David did. He was driven by a lust-filled lifestyle here. So secondly here, to wreck your life, four easy ways to wreck your life. Just don't have any accountability. Just don't answer to anyone. Have, Have no counselors, no one that speaks into your life, no advice... Compromise. secondly, no accountability here. And so we read in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, if you want to look at the screen there, it says, In the spring of the year, what happened in the spring of the year? When kings normally go out to war, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. So spring is go time. Spring is fight time. Spring is uh, get more territory. Spring is protect your borders. Spring is there, all the food there. There's all kinds of food. The weather's nice. You're not going to get your chariot stuck in the mud. Spring is the time where you go. I mean, that's what, if you were a king, that's what you did in the spring there. And so it's the kingly thing to do to expand your territory. Territory, Get out of the palace and get after it with the rest of, of your, your army there. And so you're defending your territory and all. And so David says, it's no longer go time. Now it's chill time. Now it's lazy boy time. And so it's like something is, you read that, you're like, something is wrong here. doesn't feel right. It's kind of weird, you know, what's going on at the normal time. Kings go off to war. David is in the palace. And so something is wrong there. And so if he's not where he should be, he's where he shouldn't be, right? He's where he shouldn't be. Is there anybody to tell him that he shouldn't be there? Is there any accountability in his life? Is there any, say, David, dude, what are you doing? You need to be out. No, he has no accountability. You see, the problem is here's is no one held him accountable. There's no one there to tell him the truth. There's no one that relationally is going to guide him here. And so uh, David really, ultimately, he doesn't have his small group. He doesn't have community like he used to. Remember the, the the David had his mighty men? We're going to see some of those mighty men in just a moment here. And it's so easy in the insanity of life Okay, here's a take-home lesson for us. It's so easy in the insanity of life to get so busy, you, you don't have time anymore. You don't have time for community. You don't have time for those relationships where people can actually speak into your life there when you need it, can actually guide you. You don't have time for that anymore. And so how insane is that, that you drop out of that? And that's what David did here. And so at the very time that David needs someone to speak into his life, He doesn't have that. David doesn't ask anyone, you know, to do that there. And so he walks away from accountability. Even the mighty men there that used to speak into his life. And so what happens next? Do you see behind the scenes here? Compromise after compromise after compromise. No accountability. No one speaking into his life. Now watch. There's a tipping point in his life. And look what happens here. Because David now has this long history Perhaps twenty years of compromise of, uh, uh, of having this sexual lust here, no accountability, and the third thing happens is, is he chooses then and caves into sin. Finally, all the cracks lead to a collapse it says in second Samuel chapter eleven verse two on the screens, late one afternoon, David walking on the roof of the palace, noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath, and he sent someone, she, and he founds out, she's Bathsheba, watch, watch, she's not just Bathsheba, she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, see, that's good, we're going to see that's very important, So so there's David taking a nap, having a little siesta there. All of a sudden, you know, you go outside because they didn't have air conditioning. Kind of want to stretch out, you know, get a little fresh breeze there. And on the palace, there's Bathsheba there. And so she's naked there, okay? David is getting aroused there, okay? So he has a choice, right? David has a choice there. Remember, at this time, he's got like four or five wives, okay? He's got plenty of wives here. David has a choice here. He could have turned around. He could have stopped looking. What David did is he chose to, you know, nothing wrong with the first look, but David then he looks and then he stares and he stares and he stares. And you know what he did? He entered fantasy world, right? He's getting X-rated. A little fantasy world going on here. What does David do? But David begins to make make movies in his mind. David is playing the starring role. So David now is fantasizing here. And watch. What David began to imagine in his mind, David then demanded that he would have that. And That's what we do. We could do the very same thing. What you begin to imagine, what you begin to fantasize in your mind later, the next thing is you will demand to have that thing. And so David then uh, is there looking at Bathsheba. And the Bible talks about this in uh, James chapter 1. Talks about uh, temptations, you know. Talks about our desires. What happens is that our desires marry with the temptation, And because we have this brokenness inside of us, what happens is we supercharge the desires that we have. And so what is a normal desire then gets supercharged. And now uh, we twist the desire here, and then it can lead to sin and to death. And so uh, so David now sends somebody to say, hey, I'd I like a little more information. Yeah, Bathsheba there. Uh, let me get a little more information there. And the report comes back. The report comes back. And what is, first of all, what does he know about her? What does he know about Bathsheba? She's got a good body. But she's hot. Yeah, yeah, she's beautiful. That's all he knows. Okay, what is he doing to Bathsheba? He's objectifying her. That's all he's doing. Okay, and so we see here, now watch. The report comes back, and it says, hey, king, king, king. The servant says, king. Now, remember, he can only say so much because he's a servant, and, uh, uh, and he's talking to the king. He says, she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah. In other words, David, she's not just anybody. She's the daughter of one of your best friends. Okay, Uriah, the guys that hang out in the palace with you, she's that, she's that the daughter and the wife of those guys. So, David, time out. Time out, David. You don't want to go down that road. David, you don't you don't want to know more about Bathsheba. She is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. She's she's you you know her dad, Eliam. He's one of your thirty seven, you know, mighty men that's far with you and biddy, Don't go down that road, David. Okay, and so but what David does is David, you know, even though remember he's not taking any advice here, David's not accountable to anyone here, even though Bathsheba's connected to some of these, these loyal men in his life here. Remember, he's riding the compromise train. That's what This is what happens here. David's like this. You know what? I'm the king, and I can do what I want to do. And don't you tell me what's right or wrong for me. Yeah, Uriah the Hittite. Don't tell me about a Eli- 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 Liam there. So he says, no one tells me what's right or wrong. I decide what's right for me. And besides that, she could be the one. Oh, really? If you already have five, four, five, or six, she could be the one. And so you've never even met her here. All you know, she has a good body, but she can be the one here. And so, uh, so what happens is, really, you know, we hear a lot about it in culture. This is a Me Too story. This is a Me Too story. And so uh, what is she going to do, you know, when the king approaches her? I mean, what are the guards going to do there? And so, uh, so what happens here is David makes this unwanted and inappropriate sexual advance toward her. It's kind, of, it's kind of a quasi-rape deal going on here. A me-too story. So we don't to throw Bathsheba under, under the bus here. Like, what is she supposed to do? And so um, David is abusing his power. David is manipulating and exploiting his power, just like we do today in culture. You know, um, <clears throat> You can Google this, but uh, 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 there was a studies done by ABC and Washington, Post. They released a poll last year that showed that uh, 54% of women experience unwanted, sexual, inappropriate advances. I mean, that, that's just, and you know what? Here's the point. Here's the point. It's, this is David, the king, you know, who, who, who has his heart for God. So what I'm saying is it doesn't just happen out there. It happens in here, happens in here. And so what I want to say, is just so wrong. It's so wrong here, and it shouldn't be. God is saying that, you know, it shouldn't be. You know, women should never be exploited here. And so uh, they should be apologized to for, for what has been done in American culture to them. It is absolutely wrong. And that is what David is doing here. And you see, what we're going to see now is the absolute Devastation and the absolute um, sadness on steroids that happens because of his choices here. Because of the compromise after compromise after compromise, because of his choice here, because he's not accountable, we're going to see how he wrecks his life here. So, uh, David now has a moment. What's he going to do? You know, she comes back and says, uh, he gets word that uh, the pregnancy test came back positive. And so, uh, uh, and so what are we going to do here? David's saying, you know what? The clock is ticking. I've got to move fast here. I've got to come. I'll figure this. I'll figure this thing out here. I'll figure. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out here. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get Uriah. Get Uriah. This is what I'll do. I'll bring. You know what? Get Uriah. Have Uriah come here, and uh, I've got it. And he brings Uriah. He says, "Uriah, Uriah. You know, I really, I really care about you. And and uh, this is on me, Uriah. Uh, I'm going to give you a night with your wife. You go enjoy yourself. You know." Being out there fighting the battle with all those guys—it's—it's it's cold, it's rough out there. You have the night with your wife and uh, enjoy. You know, you know what I mean. Uriah, go ahead, enjoy your time. Well, Uriah has too much integrity; it doesn't work. He sleeps on the on the porch. He says, "How can I do this when my men are out there fighting? You know, and uh, uh, and the security of the nation is on the line. I I, I couldn't I couldn't go there, King. I'm sorry. And so David's like, okay, you know, um, all right, uh, you know what, Uriah. Uh, I really care. I'm going to give you another night. And, uh, so, uh, but what he's going to do here, David is so devious. Is I'm going to soften him up. He yeah, going to be done. I'm going to soften him up. I'm going to give him a little wine here. I'm going to soften his resolve and I'm uh, going to get a little, get him a little toasted here. And then, uh, yeah, go have that, that, that night I was talking about. Enjoy that night with Bathsheba. Again, he has too much integrity to do that. David's like, dang, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I got, it, I got it, got it. I'll figure it out here. And so, what is David doing? The same thing we're doing. Is David's got a cover? Right? He's got a choice. Am I going to cover my sin, okay, or am I going to confess? And so, plan B is murder. And so here. This man with a legendary heart for God now is going to murder Uriah. So he writes the note, the death note, and so and he, and it, says, it says to General Joab, Joab, put Uriah out front there, the very front of the battle, and withdraw the troops and leave him there to be killed. And he gives the note to Uriah. So Uriah then is carrying in his hand the death note, uh, his own execution orders, and gives it there to Joab. And Joab carries it out, and then David gets David then gets uh, uh, word of what happened. And so and David was like this: David was like this. Oh, Uriah died. Yeah, bummer. You know, things. This is war. Things like that happen, you know, but uh, really too bad. So he takes he takes Bathsheba's his wife, and he's like, "Yeah, I covered my bases, I did it," you know. And so David thinks he's getting away with the mess that he created for himself. And so what I, what I want you to see is this here. What I want you to kind of lock into is this, is watch what sin does in your life, okay? Watch what it does in your life. So uh, what is it that we need to know about sin in your notes there? What is it we need to know? What do you need to know this morning, your take-home points? Is, number one is sin blinds us. Sin blinds us. And so uh, now I get it. I get it. You know, we live in America here, and sin. You know, it's like, you know, we kind of trivialize sin and kind of, kind of, uh, uh you know, minimize it. Oh, that was just so. That chocolate was so sinful, you know. And uh, we just we trivialize and coach like sin. You know, it's like, come, come on, you know, like, what, what does that have anything to do with my life? Yeah, it does. So let me let me unpack that for a moment. Here's what it does to you. We need to understand this. At its very core, what is sin? Sin is this. Sin is, it says, I get to decide. See, I, I God, you don't get to decide for me. I get to decide. It's on me to choose. So, see, sin is our inclination to break stuff. Okay, it is your nature, and your nature is, is inclined to break stuff stuff, apart from God, uh, apart from knowing God. And so what do we do? We break relationships. Okay, so what happens is then, uh, if I don't get what I really want, I just break the relationship. See, if I make a promise to you, and I don't really get what I want, I just break the promise. So, and that's what we do with God there. Okay, with God's standards, get in the way of what I want, well, what I do then is I I just break, you know, God's law. So see, there's this tendency, broken people break things. And so I am broken. I'm a broken person. You are broken. We all have brokenness there. And so uh, so what it is then, sin is like selfishness. It's self-centeredness. And so in your notes there, it says sin blinds us, but also sin is a poison to your soul. And I'm going I'm to unpack that in just a moment here. But... um Here's what we need to we need to try to grasp. See, when we were designed, when we were made, when we were created, we were not created to live with sin in our life, and there'd be no no way to get to get that out of our lives. We were we were never created that way, and so uh, and so it's a poison to your soul, and you can't even begin to understand sometimes what's going on inside you and what it does to you. So, number four here, the last thing, David. Um, does here is he, cho- he chooses to cover up rather than confess. He chooses to cover up rather than to confess. And so, two, so David would, was a, was a world class poet, and he would write, write poetry and write songs. And so, two of the ones that he wrote talk about his journey here, and one is Psalm 32, and he says this. Look at what, what sin did to him, how it impacted him. He said, When I refuse to confess my sin, what happened? My body wasted away. In other words, I was devastated. I was depressed, you know, um, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. So David, he's wiped out by his sin here. And so I just want to say that uh, the impact is it's like a cancer to our soul. And so uh, how it impacts us and how it devastates us. So what does God do? Here's where hope begins to enter into the story. So this is what we want to lock into because God just doesn't let David wallow there and drown and die in his sin. God has a plan. So watch, watch what happens uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 12. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet The Lord sent Nathan the prophet. So remember, David thinks like, yeah, I'm getting away with it. You know, uh, I I covered it up, you know. But a year later... God sends Nathan into his life. And here's what happened. Nathan, you know, he's a compassionate guy. He's a loving guy. He's a, gr- he's a great guy. But he's a prophet, you know. So he hears, you know, from God. And then he could, he could tell others what God was speaking to him. And so he gets so he goes to David. And he says, David, David, David. He says this. He says, David, he said, um, uh, I need to talk to you. I got I to I tell you a story. So what he does is, he says, hey, David. Um, let me tell you this story, and he tells this story. And what I want you to see is this. What I want you to see is this: is David's reaction to the story completely out there? So he's going to tell him a story about killing a pet of the neighbor, and, and he says, "And you know, what David says that man needs to die. Murder for that? Like he killed a pet, right? I mean, you shouldn't kill a pet. Maybe you should go to jail or something. But but die." So so you see this, watch, watch. What was going on inside David? See, I think, you know, he has this sense of injustice, but it is so amplified and he's so angry. There was something going on inside him that was touching on his own story. So David says, or Nathan says, hey, David, there's this guy, the guy's loaded he's got like cattle and sheep, and he's rich, you know, and then there's the neighbor, and the neighbor just has this one little like land that's like a family pet and all and so and the rich guy had some 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 uh some guests over and wanted to do a little hospitality, so instead of taking one of his cattle or sheep, he goes next door and he takes the poor guy's sheep that only had one little sheep, and he killed him, and he fed it. To the rich guy's friends. And David is losing it. And David is livid with anger. Why? What what the poison going on inside his soul is coming to expression? David said, It says he 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 5, David burned with anger. And he said, Surely the man must die. And I think, I think Nathan, I think he was broken over his friend David. And he says, David, you're the man. It's you, David. You are the man. David, look at what God's done for you. God gave you anything you would want God, and God would have given you more of anything you want. And David, you went and you took his wife. And you had all those wives. And you took the one wife and you killed Uriah. And David, there's going to be a consequence. And he tells him all the things that are going to happen to his life. David, for the next 20 years, you are going to suffer. And there's going to be, there's going to be murder in your family, David. David. And there's going to be there's going to be rape in your family, David, and you are the man. David, he is broken by his sin. And Nathan begins to call out the brokenness in his life. He says, "Because of your your compromising lifestyle, David. Okay, it's because of you. You don't have no accountability in your life. You chose this, David." You're the man here. And a result of this, David, there is coming a flood of consequences that is going to rain upon your life here. And so, question, question. Is God punishing David? Is that how, is God, is God like that? No. God is not punishing David. God is not like that. Are there consequences to our choices? Yes. Everything that happens to David is a consequence because of his choice, not because God was punishing him. So God is not like that. So there would be so it's going to destroy his family. And, yet, and he's saying, "David, you can't even imagine here What's going to happen? The sadness, uh, the insurrection that's going to come against you. So David, for the next 20 years of his life, is going to experience the, choi- uh, the fruit of the choice that he made here. And so, David, four easy ways, my friends, to wreck your life. So, But now there's great hope. There's great hope here. And so, how is there great hope there's great hope even for broken people that break things here. And David now is going to model for us the reason God tells us the story, because there is hope in the story here. And David shows us things that uh, that uh, he shows us what we can do. Don't miss this. Don't anybody miss this. David is going to show us what we can do in broken world moments. Okay? If you have a broken life, okay, a broken moment here, here's what you do. Here's how you find hope and love and forgiveness and and, and the strength and the power and the guidance to go forward no matter what has happened in your life. So in your notes there, we find hope in this. In your notes, two words. Two words the Bible gives us one, confession, and secondly, repentance. Confession and repentance. And I get it. I get it. When I say those words, you know, some people are like, hey, you know what? Those are like outdated words. It's kind of lame words, you know, so archaic, so old, kind of religious words. Just time out because these are words that can change your life. These words are your friends. These are, you need to get these words uh, uh, working in your life here because these genuinely are a couple words, concepts that absolutely will revolutionize your life. And so, anyway, so here's the beauty of it. And uh, uh, so David says in Psalm 51 how he gets reconnected to God here. Okay, what God does within him. It says, Psalm 51, it says, Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. See, he's saying, he's confessing it. He's not blaming, blame shifting, minimizing. I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Watch. Who did he sin against? Bathsheba, Uriah, watch. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Confessing it. You will be proved right in what you say. You desire honesty or truth. Okay, and then he says, here's the good news. All that he's done here, watch what God can do. This is why you want God in your life. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean wash me, wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Who else can do that for you? Who can wash, who can relieve the shame, who can relieve the guilt, no matter what you've done? Remember, he is a, whatever you've done, he's a murderer, okay? This is the guy that's a murderer. He's saying, look, you, God, you're gonna purify me. You're gonna wash me. That's what God can do in your life. So confession starts with this. God decides, okay, God decides. Confession starts with God decides here. And so, In other words, I don't get to decide for myself. God gets to decide here. Because, see, uh, the culture that we live in here uh, is going to tell you, and nothing is more offensive to your mind, nothing more offensive to your thinking than to think that I don't get to decide. Okay, I want to decide. And so, see, I get to decide what's right for me. I get to decide right and wrong. See, no one has the right to tell me what is right and wrong. I get to decide here. And so don't put your guilt trips on me here. I, you know, I'll decide what's right and wrong. No. If you want to confess and you want to go God's way, it begins by saying, God, you get to decide. It's your choice. And I don't get to decide anymore. And so if you're going to genuinely confess, you've got to let go of the thought that you get to decide here. Because uh, you know, uh, think about it who really can give you the guidelines that are good for life? You know, uh, knowing right from wrong. S- can society do that? Can your conscience do that? David was like, when he, when he had a relationship with Bathsheba, he's like, did you do anything wrong? He's like, no, I'm the king. What do you think? I'm the king. I decide. And so uh, anyway, so continuing here, um, David is blinded by his sin. here. Confession starts with God decides. So, Uh, very quickly here confession is not in your notes self-pity what is self-pity self-pity is when you get you don't like the consequences of getting caught come on somebody you don't like you don't like the consequences of your life oh man man i got caught you know this is i got busted you know found out you don't like the consequence that's that's just pity or self-loathing. Man, I just, I hate my life. I'm miserable. I hate it. You know, I'm the worst. You know, what I did it has been so long. You know, that's self-loathing. That's not confession. So, and when you do that, what you're doing is this. You're saying, you know what? By my own misery, I'm inflicting on myself. You know, I will pay for my sin. And like your misery, you know, will, if you do that, you'll never confess. So confession in your notes, Let's go of blame shifting, minimizing, and rationalizing. All right? So it's not about, that's what my parents did. It's what my wife did. It's what my husband did. You know, that's what my whoever did. You know, my boss did. No. You're no longer blame shifting, minimizing, rationalizing. Look at what David does here. David comes clean with it. And he says, God, against you and you only have I sinned. And so how could this be? So, um, uh, so here's what God does for David and what God does for us. God cleanses of, of our our shame and our guilt and our sin. And how how does He do that? It's leading up to our communion this morning. Here's how He did it. God, you know, we sang this morning. You are good. Think about think about this. You were good to me when I was not good. How powerful is that? The Bible puts it this way, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. When I was not good, you came to me and, and, and you died for what was not good inside me. And so God loved us too much to leave us how we are. Even when we were saying, God, I'll decide. God, I'll decide, not you. I'll, in that state, God came for us through his son, Jesus Christ here, came to the earth 2,000 years ago and died the death we were already dying. Because of our sin, I went to the cross and took our sin upon him. All the guilt, all the sin, all the shame, so that we could be, how beautiful this is, we could be restored and right with God. Even when we wreck our lives, we can be right with God because of the grace of Jesus. That is good news, my friend.